following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. excited to get into the word this morning as we prepare to get into the word this morning want to uh, uh, encourage you uh, with a, a couple of things there's some things we're going to find if you want to take some notes want to always encourage that it's good to write some things down it gives you a point of contact uh, with your uh, uh, you can go back and visit there's going to be some things that I know that are going to minister to us together there's going to be some things that just speak directly to you that's really how it works I mean we come together we open up the scripture, and I know that God's at work in each of our lives. Uh, I've got a bit of a confession to make. So some of the message today, in fact, probably a good deal of it, might sound a little uh, repetitive, but that's not a bad thing because it's really repetition that makes you know, revelation a reality. When you learn something uh, through repetition, it's, it's by hearing it more than once. It, it brings it to a place where it becomes recorded in your mind, or in this case, written on your heart. And it, it makes it easily accessible. And so repetition is a, a really wonderful thing. Uh, I know repetition is a big part of my life in the sense of memorization or exposing myself to the things that I really want to have be active in my life. So uh, the confession is this. I'm going to be preaching to me today. So you get to observe a message that I will be preaching to myself. And the reason for preaching it to myself was I became... Uh, dangerously aware that I need to hear this message. Now, there's a couple of things that, that take place in, in, you know, my life that I don't mind confessing to you. You know, this is what you call showing your clay feet a little bit. It's kind of a weird saying, but it means I'm going to share with you, you know, my own weakness. So, you know, don't exploit that or take advantage of it. It's a privileged thing to know. But if I'm not feeling well, if something's off, if I'm tired, if I'm hungry, if I feel a little bit sick, I become a 250-pound baby. And it's really kind of a, a sad thing to watch. I mean, I get really fussy. I get really irritable. Well, yesterday, for some reason, something came over. I was a little bit tired. You know, it's been a, a, long, uh, well, it's been a long stretch of a lot of work. And so you got a little bit of weariness, and, and you throw into that a few things that were taking place and going on, and then I just started not feeling well. It just started with a little sniffle here or there, and before I knew it, man, I, I didn't feel good at all. And so here comes the 250-pound baby. I mean, I get really irritable. I get just kind of dysfunctional, and it doesn't take much to set me off. And so I realized that. Now, as I'm more mature, I've grown older, I can be careful and guard against that. But there's a couple of things that I want to look at because these are real vulnerable moments. This is a time when there can be a lot of compromise or some challenge that comes into your life, and it can be prevented. And I want to look at the scripture for the purpose of preventing those things. So here's a few things you're going to find when we get into the word this morning as you listen to me preach to me. So one, you're going to find uh, how to take away all of the devil's opportunities. Now, I, I'm the kind of guy that loves to talk about Jesus. I mean, I would rather talk about the victory that comes into my life through Jesus than sit around and talk about the devil all day. I don't want to waste time giving him my attention, but I do think it's important to understand the world that we live in, that you do have an enemy, that enemy desires to see your life dysfunctional or, or even destroyed, and so that enemy is constantly at work to hold you back and to cause grief and problems. 
If you can take away every one of those opportunities, then you will live a life free from that destruction and free from that dysfunction. Does that make sense? So what I want to do is examine it from that perspective. Uh, we're going to find that. We're going to find out how to take away all the devil's opportunities. Uh, a, a second thing we're going to find, this is how I wrote it down in my notes, so kind of bear with me, how to stop. You can fill in the blank, how to stop anything. If there's something in your life you want to stop because it's a cycle, it repeats over and over and over and over again, and you hate it and you want to get rid of it, we're going to find a way to stop those cycles. Now, I've got a few of those in my life in the past that I'm glad are gone. There's some in the present that I'd like to get rid of. And so this is an opportunity to apply something from the scripture to see those things that we don't want come to a stop. And then a third thing we're going to find is what needs to be mastered. And this is where a little bit of repetition may come in, but it's worth revisiting. There's an element in the scripture that you could easily just read right past, but if you stop and you take note of it, it, it becomes really important. It's a very priority message that if we don't fix this issue, we're going to have a lot of challenges down the road. So you want to, you want to start with this, fix this, and you'll have solution uh, in many, many things that you deal with. So we're going to get into the word this morning. I told you we're going to find how to take away the devil's opportunities. I want to start there. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 26 and 27. Now, if I ever give you a, a verse address and it seems off or wrong, pardon me, sometimes there's a lot of copy and paste flying around and it, it might not work out. We'll call it a technical difficulty. But the scripture that I'm going to give you is the one we're going to lay our foundation with. It comes from Ephesians. And it reads like this. Be angry and yet do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and therefore do not give opportunity to the devil. Now, interesting passage of scripture for a couple of reasons. I mean, I'm going to stop here and talk about it for a second because I think it's an important thing to take a look at and consider. Now, remember, I'm preaching to myself this morning. I felt a little bit irritable over the past couple of days, and it opens up the door for me to be easily provoked or just kind of generally fussy or angry, and that's not a good thing. But what you see here in Ephesians is those first two words, be angry, which is interesting to me because it permits me to be upset, which is an okay thing. If you came into church and you were told you're not allowed to be angry, I would probably get up and walk out and think, well, that's not going to work for me because I get mad a lot. A lot of stuff upsets me. There's things in the world that are going to upset you. There are things that are going to go wrong. There are things that are going to fail. There are things that are going to fall apart. It's okay to be upset by that. Now, what we do when we're upset is what makes the difference between ultimate success and failure. And so I look at this, and I, first of all, feel welcome. I feel welcome because I'm allowed to be upset. Now, what do I do when I'm upset? Well, we'll see that in the rest of the scripture. Be angry, but yet don't sin. Okay, now there's the problem for me. It means get mad, but don't take it out on anybody. Now, that's the real challenge, because when I get upset, I want to release that frustration, that disappointment, that anger, however you want to describe it, to whoever's closest by. Whoever's within arm's reach is about to get the wrath of Preston. And let me tell you something, there was a time when the wrath of Preston was something to be feared. Now, what I've learned today is that that really doesn't accomplish anything. <laughs> All it does is make me a jerk in the end. So we see that it's okay to be upset. It's just what we do when we're upset. So be upset, but yet don't sin. And then you see, don't let the sun go down on your anger, which is really what I want to emphasize right now. It means deal with it. 
Don't store it up. If you store it up, it will pile up, and when it piles up, it will eventually have to be released, and when it's eventually released, it will be devastatingly destructive. So then the question is, how do we properly deal with this? What do I do to keep from storing it up? How do I release that anger? Well, there's a few things that I do. One, I'll pause and step away for a moment. Now, I know that sounds really juvenile, but it's very helpful to just recenter and refocus. There's very few things in my life that gratitude hasn't fixed. I'll stop, walk away, and think about all the things I have to be grateful for. I'll talk to people that are helpful and healthy to talk to. There was a season in my life where I think I was calling my wife about every two hours just to converse with her about what was currently making me angry. And it was a comfort to have someone to speak with. If you don't have that person, we need to find that person in your life to help protect you from falling into that trap of storing up that anger and seeing it pop off into something really devastating. Because ultimately, that anger, whether it's stored up or whether it's present, is an opportunity for the devil. When you read that passage of Scripture, it's mind-blowing to think about what's being said. What's being said is you're going to get upset, but handle it right. If you don't handle it right and you don't deal with it, it's going to give Satan an opportunity. An opportunity for what? An opportunity for Satan to do what Satan does. And if you want to know what he does, you can look at John 10.10. You're going to see a contrast between Satan and Jesus. And Jesus is speaking in John chapter 10, verse 10, and he speaks of the devil as a thief. He says he's a thief, and he comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now think about that as it concerns your life. All the things that you have that are precious that he will steal. All of the life that you have to live that he will kill and all of the things that you have built and assembled with all the efforts that you've put together that he would love to destroy. And let me ask you a question. Is this thief that will kill, that will steal, that will destroy, is this someone you want to give an opportunity to step in your door? No. The way to shut down those opportunities for that theft and that murder and that destruction in this passage of Scripture is to handle your anger. When I think about how many times anger has taken control of me and I've given in to anger and the results of it, it's been destructive. Things that I've built have been destroyed. Life and relationship and fellowship has been breached and ripped apart. And, and things that I've acquired have been lost and stolen away. I mean, it makes perfect sense when I see the scripture. It becomes more than just words on a page. It becomes a description of my life and the events of my life when anger has been allowed to prevail. If I want to take away the opportunity for the devil to steal, to kill, to destroy, I need to handle anger. And if I don't handle anger, then those opportunities are going to be plenty. And he will take advantage of every single one of them. And when you come to see the contrast between the devil and Jesus in that passage of Scripture, you'll see that Jesus says that Satan is a thief. He only comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. I love that he says only comes. He only comes to do that, no matter what he promises. If he promises some temporary prosperity, some temporary pleasure, some temporary uh, advancement in some way, it's a lie. It's going to come to an end, and the ultimate result will be devastation. He only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And then Jesus goes on to explain his presence, that he's come that we might have life and that we might have it in abundance. 
I would like to shut down the opportunities for that death and that theft and that destruction, and I would like to open up my life to know the abundant life of Jesus Christ. And according to this passage of Scripture, it all hinges upon one element of my existence, and that's me managing appropriately the things that upset me, the anger that's attempting to come into my life. When I become a 250-pound fussy little baby, dealing with that in an appropriate way, to close the door to theft and to close the door to death and to close the door to destruction and to open up the door to life. I want to give you a few passages of scripture here that I think are really worth noting. Now, this is where, again, I told you some of this is a little repetition, but I'm, I'm preaching to me this morning because I need it. So anger is a nasty business, and it's actually the devil's plan for my life because it opens up the door for him to have opportunity. If his goal is to destroy my life, if his goal is to destroy everything that's been built or put together, if his goal is to ultimately kill me, then he's looking for every single opportunity possible to do just that. And if those opportunities come through anger, well, it only makes sense that he's constantly trying to put me in positions where I get super ticked. That means putting me in situations where people upset me, putting me in situations where things go wrong. That means being present to try to provoke because if that provocation can open the door for anger, then there's an opportunity for him to do what he wants to do, which is bring destruction into my life. I'll give you a, a passage of scripture here that'll show you that this would be a great plan if, if this were something that were available to your enemy. Your enemy in this case is the devil. Here's a, a, a passage of scripture for your notes, James chapter 1. I'll give you verses 19 and 20. It reads like this. Everyone, now everyone is a powerful word because everyone is all-inclusive, right? It's not some people. It's not like, hey, you know, just you losers over here or you jerks over there. This is everyone. That means you're reading it and it includes you. Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And then it goes on to say why. It uses the word for, right? So for is an interesting word to me. We don't really talk that way. It's a little bit formal. But you can substitute in this case the word because. I use the word because all the time, right? But for and because are interchangeable. Like, you want me to preach fast because you're hungry and you want to eat lunch, right? You could say, I want you to preach fast for I am hungry. Well, that sounds a little bit, you know, snooty to me, but it, it works. So let's use the word because here. Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger because the anger of man will never achieve the righteousness of God. I need to be quick to listen. I need to be slow to speak. And ultimately, I need to be slow to anger because when I'm mad, I'm never going to be doing what God wants. When I'm angry, I'll never be doing God's will for my life. If I'm doing anything out of anger, I'm outside of the will of God, period. So all of these opportunities, these moments that are opened up through this mismanaged emotion that is anger, and by the way, anger is an emotion, have got to be put in their place or else I'll never be doing what God's called me to do. I can never love my wife out of anger. I can never raise my sons in the right way out of anger. I can never pastor this congregation out of anger. I can never do anything in the world of business out of anger and be in God's will. I'll be outside of it every single time. Now, this is something 
that lights a fire in me to wage a war against anger in my life. It makes me want to go into my prayer time and say, Father, get anger out of my life. I want to be doing the things that you want me to do. I want to do it the right way. I want it to be effective. I want to close off every opportunity for the devil to bring destruction into my life. And I want to open every door for your life to not only be a part of my life, but be revealed through my life to everyone around me. I want anger gone. The idea that anger is an emotion is kind of an interesting thought. I mean, this is a little bit shooting from the hip, but bear with me. An emotion is, a, is an interesting thing that God made, by the way. I mean, he gave you emotions. They're part of your soul, and, and it's how you feel and, and relate to the world. And that's the reason why, you know, a passage of Scripture that will permit you to be angry, just don't sin, would acknowledge that this is a normal thing for you to have. It's an emotion. You just can't be ruled by it. You need to rule your emotions rather than be ruled by your emotions. And emotion is actually kind of a, a funny word. Now, there's two ways to define a word, and, and there's probably more than that. But for me personally, I'll turn to the dictionary, right? And I'll look it up in the dictionary, and you'll get a definition for it. And then you can also go to a word's origins. Now, it's a funny word. Etymology is the word. And it just means like where a word comes from, how it was formed. It comes from bits and pieces of other languages, and it slaps together, and it has this meaning, and we use it today, emotion. But think about it. It's really two syllables, E and motion. It means to be moved, to be moved out of a place. E meaning out of, motion meaning this movement. And, and when you think about emotions, it's really an interesting thing. When I become emotional, there is a movement that's taking place. If I were to watch a movie that provoked some emotion of sadness, it would be moving me in that direction. To, I went into it smiling and happy. I walk out crying and snot running down my face. Most of those are cartoons for me. I cried at the movie Ratatouille. I did. Sitting there watching it. We don't go to movies very often. I don't even know. We were at a theater, I think. I start bawling in the middle of this cartoon, and my wife leans over and says, Quit making it weird. She says sobbing. I was sobbing. I think to sob, your shoulders have to touch your ears like. <laughs> but it's emotion, right? I didn't go in there crying. I didn't even go in there upset. I went in there thinking, how long is this? I got stuff to do. And I'm sitting down and I'm watching it and all of a sudden I'm no longer thinking about the stuff I have to do. I'm thinking, that poor man, I know what he feels. I mean, it moved me, right? It moved me out of one place and into another. Emotions will move you. The question is, are they moving you in the right direction? I have had emotions come on my life that have led me in the wrong direction. Somebody come along and provoke, and all of a sudden emotion is ruling me, and I'm not ruling emotion, and I'm over here ready to go, but I'm going in the wrong direction. Those emotions are good because they're meant to move me in direction. I mean, I've, I've been in worship services before, and people have talked about, wow, I just felt so moved in that. It's like, that's good. God is operating through your emotions to lead you in a direction you should go. The direction to be closer to him, the direction to express gratitude and thanksgiving, the, the, the direction to be filled with joy and aware of all the things you have to be grateful for. That's a good thing. Emotion is a wonderful catalyst to move you from where you're at. Maybe you're miserable. Maybe you're sad. Maybe you're hurt, wounded. Rejection has been a part of your life, and God is moving you out of that into a place of victory and joy and gratitude and celebration. That's going to be through emotion. But we need to make sure that when we become emotional, that we're moving in the right way. 
I want to be the master of my emotions. I do not want to be the puppet that is led in the direction that my emotions would lead me because my emotions can lead me in the wrong direction. So anger is an emotion. Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man will never accomplish the righteousness of God. I'll never do God's will when I'm angry. I remember as a young father, when you are faced with you know, the discipline of your children, realizing, I mean, I could make myself cry just talking about this, how easy it is to punish your children rather than discipline your children. To respond out of the anger or, or the, 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 the rage of a situation instead of handle it appropriately. And I'm telling you, it's the truth. There are so many opportunities for the devil to operate when anger is present. I want to move out of this and into an, another direction here. It's another reason why this is the devil's plan, you know, to attempt to open up this door for opportunity, to make you angry so that he can come in and steal and kill and destroy. It won't just affect you, it'll affect others around you. A good way to say this is that anger is contagious, right? I'll give you a passage of scripture here from Proverbs. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25. It reads like this. It's a, it's a call to not associate with angry people, to stay away from angry people. It says, don't associate with a man given to anger, or you will learn his ways and find yourself in a world of hurt. Now, that last part's paraphrase, but that's what it says. You're going to have problems. Now, this is an interesting thing, because I can read this from two directions. I can read this as the instruction that says, hey, Preston, Stay away from angry people because they're going to influence you and make you angry too. And that's a good way to read it. That's a really great way to read it, but it's, pretty, it's a base way to read it. Now, when I begin to look at this from like an inverted or, or almost like if you took a photograph and you looked at the negative of it, when you look at this from the other direction, what I see is I need to not be angry or else my anger is going to spread to everyone around me. I start carrying anger home, it's going to affect my wife, it's going to affect my sons, it's going to affect everyone that I'm around. There was a time, and it was a couple of years ago, there were a lot of things going on politically and a lot of things going on in the world, and, and I remember I was carrying a lot of anger about a lot of stuff, and my wife finally told me, you know what, don't bring that home. And at first, I was a little put off by it. I thought, well, you're my helpmate. You're, you're the one that I'm supposed to talk to. The truth is, I was just coming home and vomiting all of this garbage on her, and it's contagious. She wanted to not be angry. She wanted to be filled with joy and gratitude. And here I am bringing my anger and trying to smear it onto everybody else. It's another reason to remove anger from your life, because it's contagious. You can poison the people around you if you're not careful. I want to give you a, another passage of scripture. Anger is a total waste of time. That's another reason why it's one of the devil's tools, because you have very limited time. I mean, the scripture tells you not to be a fool, but to be wise. And then it goes on to describe the difference between the two. Don't live your life as a fool, but live as a wise person, making the most of your time for the days are evil. That tells me that if I want to be a wise man, I need to make the most of my time. Wasting time is foolish. But anger will waste your time. Here's a passage of scripture from Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 10 reads like this. Remove grief and anger from your heart. Put away pain from your body because 
Childhood and the prime of life are fleeting. I mean, it's a little bit on the poetic side, but when you break this down, what it means is like, you're getting older. You're not getting any younger. Don't waste your time being angry because being angry is going to be a waste of time. I told you before we're going to find out how to stop and then fill in the blank, whatever you want to stop, whatever you want to bring to an end, that cycle of dysfunction in your life. Perhaps maybe there's always this sarcasm that's present that always makes things worse or, or this dysfunction relationally, or it could be anything. I mean, you fill in the blank. How to stop it. You don't want it in your life. You want it out. How to stop it. Start by dealing with anger. Here's a passage of scripture from the Proverbs. Proverbs 19, 19. That's chapter 19, verse 19. It says, a man of anger will bear the penalty. Even if you rescue him, you'll only have to rescue him again. Pretty interesting passage of scripture, huh? Someone that's walking in anger and their life is led by anger, you can bail them out, you're just going to have to bail them out again. You can bail them out again, you're just going to have to do it again. You can bail them out again, 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 and you're just going to have to bail them out again, 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 again. Until they get rid of the anger, it's going to be a cycle of dysfunction. Because anger is that root cause, that open source, that open door, that opportunity that the devil comes in, steals, kills, and destroys. Anger is what needs to be dealt with in order to fix the issue. We get so distracted by the fruit that we never deal with the root. And when you think about that, it makes perfect sense. If I had an apple tree and I wanted to get rid of apples and my solution was to go out there and pick them, I'm going to be out there picking apples every single apple season. But if I want to get rid of those apples, I can take that tree up by the root and I will never deal with apples again. By the way, I don't know why I use that example because I like apples. But if you want to deal with the root, you've got to deal with anger. And anger has all kinds of sources. I mean, people have anger issues from their youth, from their childhood, from rejections and hurts and wounds. And you know what's really amazing is you can preach this message and, and you're not responsible to reveal to the individual the root of those things. Rather, the Holy Spirit is present to speak to the individual to draw those things to their attention. And when we pray, when we're done here in just a little bit, we're going to ask God to do just that. God, will you show me the source of my anger so that we can deal with it? Because I don't want to be led by it. Anger opens up the door for all kinds of uh, sin. Now, when I say sin, it's not just me being, you know, some holier-than-thou preacher. I'm talking about compromise, bad choices, decisions that you don't like because they don't produce good things. They lead to miserable things. But anger opens up the door for that. Here's a couple of passages of Scripture. Uh, Psalm 37, 8 says, Cease from being anger, angry. Excuse me. Cease from, be cease from being angry and forsake wrath. It only leads to evil doing. Boy, I butchered that, right? The point is, is that when you're angry, it only leads to bad stuff. I mean, you know how much of my life would be fixed if I just took that passage of Scripture and actually applied it to my life? It only leads to evil doing. That means there's never a time where it's like, boy, I sure am glad I got mad at that guy. I sure am glad I operated in anger there. That was the solution. Never will it be the solution. It will only lead to evil doing. It will only lead to compromise. It will only lead to failure. Here's another passage of scripture as it concerns uh, anger opening up the door to compromise. Proverbs 29, 22. 
An angry man stirs up strife, and a hot-tempered person abounds in transgression. Boy, those are churchy words, right? Abounds in transgression. Abounds means like there's an abundance of it. It means that there's more than just a little bit, but it is overflowing, and it is spilling out. If I had a cup of water here on this, this podium, and that cup of water was about half full, it wouldn't be abundant with water. It would just have water in it. But if somebody were constantly keeping it fed and it's spilling out over the side, it would have more than it could contain, which would be in abundance. So this person that is hot-tempered, this person that can't control their anger, this person that opens up opportunity for the devil to steal, to kill, and destroy is going to be abundant in transgression. Now, transgression is an interesting word, too. It's more than just sin. It's sin on purpose. It's rebellion. I know what to do, but I don't do it. I know it's wrong, but I do it anyway. You know, some of the greatest grief in my life has been transgression. I remember my addiction to alcohol. I, I knew it was wrong. It was destroying my life. I hated it. I would sit at home, and what was your word? Sob? Yeah, I would sob. <laughs> I'm ruining my life. I hate it. I want rid of it. I don't want it, but yet I still had it. It wouldn't go away. I can tell you a massive part of my freedom and deliverance from that had to do with being healed from my anger, that open door. I want to move just for time's sake to a place here. I mentioned we were going to find this. It's what needs to be mastered. We're going to go to a passage of Scripture. You don't really have to turn there. You can if you want. We're going to go to a passage of scripture, and, and I want to paraphrase a little bit. Now, I love the history of the, the, the Bible, and I love to use the word history because history is real. It's not made up. It's not once upon a time, but it's actually recorded history, and that's really worth noting because to have the idea that this really happened, and it's not just some fairy tale, means that this is something that applies to my life. It's not fiction. And we're going to look at a place way back in the book of Genesis. You're going to be looking in like Genesis chapter 4, and it's going to involve a, a man whose name is Cain. Now, Cain is an individual that, that God loves, and something goes wrong. Cain really doesn't do something right. So I'm going to paraphrase greatly here and just tell you Cain messed up. If I were to ask in this room, hey, is there anybody in here that's ever messed up before? I mean, I'm telling you, if you don't raise your hand, you're a liar. <laughs> We've messed up, we've failed, we do stuff wrong, we transgress, we sin, there's all kinds of garbage and nastiness in our life, and praise God that we're, we're covered in the blood of Jesus to be forgiven and pardoned of those things, and I'm so grateful for that. But the reason for saying all of that is just to say that this is an example that applies to your life. Here's a person who has failed, and now that this person has failed, they're dealing with their failure, so this person could be me. In fact, Let's just use my name instead of his. Preston has failed. And in Preston's failure, the word says, Preston became angry. Now, this is a pretty accurate story so far. And as Preston is angry, God comes and talks to him. And God's conversation basically sounds like this. Hey, Preston. Hey, God. Why are you angry? Because I failed. And then here's what God says to Preston. He says, I understand. But you know you can do better. 
And when you do better, you won't be angry. And let me tell you something, son. As long as you stay angry, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you. You must master it. It's a pretty interesting conversation that God and Preston just had. And it's in the scripture. You'll find it. Genesis chapter 4. I mean, that's the conversation. And this conversation reveals a whole lot to me. It reveals that failure can open up the door to anger. You know, we, we're disappointed in life. Things haven't gone the way we think they should. Or we feel like we've been gypped or ripped off or, or things are, are dysfunctional. We've been rejected. There's legitimate hurt and wound. There's legitimate affliction. People hurt people. I've been hurt by people myself. And it can produce an, an anger that can just sit and cause a person to compromise. And God's response to that is we need to handle this. And if we don't handle this, it's a problem. And he reveals what the problem is. As long as this anger is present and it's not handled appropriately, sin is waiting at the door and its desire is to come rushing in and take over. Sin in every way imaginable. It begins to make sense and bear witness with the rest of the scripture that this anger is an open opportunity for the devil whose desire is to kill, steal, and, and, and destroy. is just sitting, waiting, waiting at the door for anger to crack that door open even a little bit so it can come rushing in and produce its destructive effect. This kind of changes the way I view my life when I'm angry now. I mean, I understand that I get upset and things happen that provoke and things happen that bring me to a place of, of, of disappointment or frustration or dare I even say anger. But I realize now I need to handle this because if I don't handle this right, everything that wants to destroy my life is waiting right on the other side of that door. And if I even open that door up a crack, it's coming rushing in. And when it rushes in, the result is killing, stealing, and destroying. You know, we deal with stuff all the time in church. You know, we make church about like, you know, sin and righteousness and all these things. And that's not a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. The problem is, to me, that's kind of the fruit and not the root. I could be told that, you know, sin is a part of my life and it needs to stop. Well, I got news for you. I already knew that. I'm, I'm pretty aware when I sin and I'm pretty aware that it's bad. What I want to know is how do I stop? How do I fix this problem? And when I read this, I notice that God doesn't say, hey, son, uh, you're about to sin and sin's really bad. He says, hey, son, sin exists and it comes through anger. And if you don't deal with your anger, it's going to come take over your life. That's your loving heavenly father showing you the root of the problem so that you don't chase your tail dealing with the fruit of the problem all of your life and we can actually get something done. That should get some kind of amen, don't you think? Anger's a nasty business. Here's a, a passage of scripture that I think is worth noting because it kind of reveals some things. Now the purpose of revealing this is just meant to see if this provokes a, a feeling in your heart or your mind where you're thinking like, yeah, that kind of describes me. And then we're going to close in, in prayer because I want God to reveal those things to us and we're going to trust that there's going to be, you know, some, some ministry that takes place before we part ways. But here's the passage of scripture that I want to share. 
comes from Proverbs uh, chapter 25, verse 28. It compares your life to a city. And it, it says, like a city that is broken into and without any walls around it, so is a man who has no control over his anger. Think about that. I mean, like, everything that's precious and valuable can just be stolen away. There's no resistance to any thieves or robbers or bandits. There's no locked doors. There's no protection whatsoever. All of that garbage, all of that stealing, killing, and destroying can just come and go at leisure. I mean, when there's no protection set up, there's nothing to stop those things from bringing about destruction. And when we see a pattern of destruction in our life, where, where every time we start to get ahead a little bit, we just destroy it. Something happens that steals it away. Something happens that kills that relationship. Something happens that destroys everything we've worked so hard to build. We've got to realize something. Hey, maybe my life is like a city with no walls. And based on this passage of Scripture, a city with no walls is like a person who's given to anger. Which would tell me if I want to build those walls of security and I want to build those walls to keep out the one that would steal, kill, and destroy, the way I build those walls is by laying down my anger. And when I lay down my anger, I close the door to the one that would love to take advantage of anger and bring destruction into my life. The way that I build that security is I release my anger. That can come in a number of ways. I mean, the, the most prominent way in my life has been forgiveness. You know, to forgive those that have hurt or wounded, to forgive those that have rejected, to forgive those that have opened up doors for bondage or affliction, to forgive, to forgive, to forgive, to forgive. And to refuse to take up anger in all of its destructive ways. To close the door to the devil and every one of the opportunities that he'd love to have to destroy my life. And I promise you he would love to destroy my life. You deal with the root. I want to ask you to stand with me and I want to pray this morning. I think the point is made. And now what you trust for pastorally is for God to do something. Because that's really where ministry takes place. Up to this point, you've heard nothing more than just a good speech. But this is really where something can happen. You hear something and you like something and it can inspire some kind of desire in your life. But then what you do with that desire is the difference between walking out of here changed or walking out of here exactly the same as you walked in. So I'm going to pray as if I want my life to be free from anger. But that prayer is not just for me. I want to offer it to everyone in the room, and you're welcome to simply be in a state of agreement. In fact, while I'm praying, you might even just, you know, utter out of your mouth, I agree with that and I want that. And just trust that the Holy Spirit is present, listening, waiting for that invitation to come in and bring healing and freedom and deliverance in every way into your life. I want to pray now 
Father, we thank you for your word. We receive your word as truth. The truth that has the power to sanctify and set apart our lives, to remove us from corruption and darkness and move us into a place of light and victory. We want to handle our anger appropriately. We know there'll be disappointment, frustration. We know there'll be rejections and hurts. But we want to be like Jesus. We want to not hold it against the one that afflicts. Open up our hearts to be open to forgiveness, mercy, and grace in the same way that we've needed forgiveness, and we've needed mercy, and we've needed grace. And protect us from being the afflictor to those around us. And now as it concerns anger in our lives, by your spirit, will you reveal to us every open source, every opportunity for the devil to come in and steal and kill and destroy, that we could close those doors permanently and shut out all of his plans for destruction and walk in the wonderful, abundant life that you've blessed us with in Jesus. I repent of my anger. I repent of giving into it and embracing it. I repent of celebrating it. For finding comfort and rage and wrath and violence. Let it be understood in my life, in the depths of my heart, in every thought in my mind, that anger will never accomplish your will. And let my life be given to see your will come to pass with every word that I speak and everything that I do. That all corruption might be removed from my life as the root of anger is dissolved by your goodness and your love. I forgive those that have wounded me. I forgive those that have rejected me. I forgive those that have abandoned me. I forgive those that have hurt me in any way, that have brought destruction into my life. And I choose to lay down anger, to be moved in the right direction, the direction of life, victory, and prosperity. I thank you for your leadership in my life. I thank you for guiding and directing me in these things. And be honored and be glorified as I live a life free from anger, a life of victory, a life of prosperity, a life abundant with Jesus Christ. We bless your name and we thank you for these victories. Be honored and glorified in Jesus' name. And all the saints declare, amen. I want to say something before we dismiss. During that prayer, you may have had something revealed to you, something you just feel in your heart. You know, maybe when we're talking about forgiveness, you become immediately aware of the one that you need to forgive. But don't just let that thought or idea escape. Ask God, how do I do that? Do I, do I need to make contact with him? Do I need to call him? Do I need to write him a letter? What do I need to do with that? Maybe you don't do anything with it. Maybe you just deal with it between you and God. That's between you and God. But don't let these moments escape you because these are the moments that change our lives forever. These are the moments that grow us and mature us. These are the moments that make us into the children of God that we've been called to be. 
Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.